Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Thanks, uh, Pastor Tom. It's an honor, guys. It's an honor to be here and share with you today. And uh, it's probably uh, a good thing that I share a little bit of my testimony with you to, to let you know just how prayer kind of got birthed in my heart and uh, what God has taken me from and what God has taken me to. Uh, I didn't really uh, set out to, when I was you know, younger, I didn't really set out to say, hey, I'm going to open up an addiction recovery ministry. That really wasn't one of my goals or you know, uh, things that I had on the forefront of my mind to accomplish in life. But uh, at an early age, I did start using marijuana. And it is a, as I grew into my teens, uh, it evolved into a, a very severe crack cocaine addiction. And as I got into my 20s and 30s, it got really bad, you know, uh, where I was in and out of prison and uh, in and out of rehabs and just the whole mess of junk that comes with that. So at one point, it was in my mid-30s, I'm 54 right now, I've been walking with the Lord pretty uh, committed for probably the past 17 years. So somewhere around 36, 37 years old, uh, I was so desperate for change. I was so like broken and and just didn't really want to live anymore because, you know, I, I just everything that I look back on in my life, it just looked like failure and defeat. And I'm, I'm sitting in a jail cell and, and uh, I'm reading my Bible and, and I heard about Jesus from so many different people in my life, and, and I'm reading, and, and I'm at a place where I'm, I'm ready, and I'm desperate, and I'm crying out, and, and I just began to lift my hands and cry out and say, God, if you're real, I need you right now. I need you. I can't do this anymore. Amen. And, I, you know, I can, can visit that place in my heart because it's so real to me. It's so alive even today, and, and I remember what I felt happened, I felt the power of God come in. And I felt the power of God begin to break chains and shackles of addiction off of my life that have been built up as strongholds for a number of years, you know, probably 20, 25 years. And I knew that there was something that was greater. There was something that was more powerful than this thing called addiction. And as I begin to grow in this and, and read and study and pray and, and, and cultivate this relationship with the Lord, he began to unfold to me what prayer was really about and, and what it meant to really seek him. You know, sometimes we look at prayer and we think, okay, well, I'll, I'll get up and I'll say thank you, God, and I'll read through a list of things and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do that every day for 15 minutes and Okay, that's not a bad thing, guys, but that's just more of a spiritual discipline. What I want to talk to you today is about connecting with the heart of a heavenly father that loves you, that cares for you, that has a plan and purpose for your life and for this church as a whole. And if we can tap into his heart today and see in the realm of heaven, what does it look like, God? 
Who am I? What'd you create me for? Surely you didn't just create me to smoke dope every day. Surely you didn't just create me to get up every day and go to work and come home and do this and do that. Surely there's a greater purpose, Father. So I want to tap into your heart, Lord. I want to know you. I want to know what's on your agenda. What are you doing in 2020 at New Hope Church in Sevier County? We need to be petitioning him, guys, for what that is. What is the vision? What's the purpose? Why do we all come together here every Sunday? And it starts individually with our own hearts. I had to begin to seek God. Why have you kept me alive? Why have I watched all these other people that I ran with and grew up with, they're dead or they're locked up in the penitentiary for the rest of their life? And why, Lord, has my life been spared? What's the purpose, God? So I began to seek. I began to take time alone with God in prayer. And I began to take it very seriously because I knew that my life depended on it. I met him somewhere in what I call the secret place, guys. And in that secret place, God began to show me my identity. God began to show me my authority that he had given to me. God began to show me who I was and what he was or what he was all about. And it had to be personal. You've got to take this personal. Every heart in here. This has to be a personal thing between you and him before it can ever come and it become a corporate thing between us. I've got to take this to a personal level as you, as you, as everybody in this house. And when we all take it personal, guys, and we begin to develop it there, we come together corporately and what happens is there's a synergy effect and the kingdom of heaven begins to advance and move itself forward and take a region Amen. and take a county. Amen? So we've got to get to the heart of the Father. What is the Father's heart today for New Hope in 2020? Re turn with me uh, real quick to John 15, 16. John 15 and 16. We'll start there. Jesus is speaking, and he says to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Man, how many of y'all want that type of prayer life? Huh? I want to be able to go to the Father, right, and say, this is what I want. This is what we need today. And boom, there you go, son. Boom, there you go. That's the type of prayer life I want. I want to hit a bullseye every time, man. I want to know that I'm direct in alignment with Father's heart. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. That means he hand-selected and picked different individuals for an assignment. And he said, that assignment that I placed upon you, it will bear fruit. And because of that assignment, you can come boldly before my throne and ask whatever it is that you need to fulfill that assignment. So, 
First, we've got to understand what is the assignment. What is the assignment upon my life? Many times, guys, we're, we're not tapping into the Father's heart. We're just asking Him things, whatever, you know, whatever our selfish motives or desires are, or whatever's going to make us look good in front of people, or, you know, whatever is going to line our pockets a little bit more. Sometimes we're asking amiss that we consume it upon our lusts, as it, it says in the book of James. So we've, we've, got to, we've got to understand this portion of Scripture here. When Jesus is saying this, he's not saying that you just come and ask whatever you want, that you can spend it on your pleasure. He's saying you've got to come in alignment with your assignment. Because when you come into alignment with your assignment, then it's, it's, it's a blueprint from heaven. In heaven's books, guys, there is an assignment for your life. There's a purpose that he wrote before the foundation of the world, Psalm 139. There's also an assignment for this church in 2020. And what we need to do is we need to get into the heavenly realm and, and get access to the books and to the scribes that, that we can open it up and start reading it and seeing it and then start declaring it into the earth because we're praying from a position of a heavenly place. It tells us in the book of Ephesians that we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. So if we're seated with him in this heavenly place, then we understand that there's heaven's perspective the way we see it, and it needs to be declared and brought into the earth. And we wear an earth suit, we're in an earthen vessel, to where we can take it into the earth. So first we've got to understand, Father, what is it? What's the plan? A lot of times we say, oh, my prayers ain't being answered, my prayers ain't being answered. What are we praying about? What are we praying for? So I've found that, that uh, a lot of my praying now is like it's simply for kingdom manifestations in what God has called me to do. And I've found that a lot of times it's just like boom, 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 boom. It's not even really prayer. It's me just declaring his heart, just speaking out what I hear him saying in the secret place. What did Jesus say? I will do nothing but what I see my Father do. I do nothing except what I see my Father do. And Jesus had an assignment, didn't he? He had an assignment. So I'm trying to lay a little bit of backdrop for us here to where we want to go corporately, right? But, but here's, here's some important elements. We've got to get the basics of this down first. Before we can tear down strongholds, before we can command principalities, we, we've got to get some personal issues worked out in prayer. It says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I've found it hard to come boldly before the throne of grace when I have an ungrateful heart. When I'm whining and complaining all the time. I go into prayer, right, and I'm praying for this and that and the other thing, and then I get up from prayer, and then I'm complaining out of my mouth in the same breath. So the first thing we've got to understand is when we look at the pattern of the Old Testament tabernacle, we understand that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, we enter into his courts with praise. Did I get that right? 
We enter into the gates with thanksgiving, into the courts with praise. So in, in the Old Testament, they set up a pattern, and we can replica this in our hearts as New Testament believers. The first thing that happens is you come into a gate, right? And you come into what's called an outer court area. And basically, this is like you hear the good news of salvation. And you should be like jumping for joy. Thank you. Praise Jesus. You mean I don't have to die in hell? You mean I don't have to suffer and pay the cost for all that sin and all that lifestyle of addiction and everything that I was doing out there? Everybody that I robbed that I could never pay back? God, you mean I can walk away free of charge? Are you serious? <laughs> My goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm jumping up and down, right? That should be the foundation right there. And if I can't get that down, how, how should I think that I can come boldly before him? What's Psalm 100 say? Turn with me to Psalm 100. This is a perfect picture. Psalm 100 is a perfect picture of what it means to keep a grateful heart. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. And here it is. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for he is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Listen, guys, when we come in here for worship, we ought to be jumping and shouting and dancing and singing and clapping hands and praising Jesus because you know what? Guess what? You don't have to suffer eternity in hell because of what he suffered and endured upon that cross for the sake of our soul. Because someone had the heart to say, you know what, I'll go and I'll pay the cost for these people who have locked themselves in the bondage, who can't find a way out, who don't know their left hand from their right hand, who are lost in the sauce in society, like a meatball, you're lost in the sauce. They used to call me meatball when I was a little kid. I just, that just hit me. I was lost in the sauce, buddy. But when we get this revelation of the cross and we understand his love and we really recognize, man, what he paid for, eternal life with him, part of prayer is praise and thankfulness, thanksgiving. This is why usually in worship we start off with praise songs and songs that give thanks and adoration unto him because we're setting the atmosphere for heaven to hit this place. So we begin to enter in with thanksgiving and praise, guys. This is a very important factor. And if you try to enter in and listen, try to come in here with a complaining heart and see how far you get with God. Now, I know he loves us all and he understands, you know, but I'm talking about tapping into the Holy of Holies here. I'm talking about tapping into divine authority as sons and daughters that we were meant to walk in. And true grown-up sons and daughters don't walk around whining and complaining all the time and crying 
about this and that, that they didn't get their way. That's what babies do. I didn't get my way today. I didn't get to be the one that, that got up on the stage. Or I didn't get to be the one to give the exhortation or whatever the case may be. I don't know, all right? Pastor didn't point me out. He didn't even shake my hand. You know, we get these little attitudes and we start complaining and getting up. Well, you know what? I'm just going to leave that church. And then, you know, you go from church to church and ministry to ministry and you hop all around because things aren't going. We're acting like children. That's the mentality of a, of a newborn. We cry, cry, cry because we don't get our way. But listen, can we just be thankful that Jesus Christ won the victory at Calvary? Oh, my gosh, that can make me just want to come in. I could go into any church and I could praise and worship God because I know that there are fellow believers around me that he paid the cost for. And I can come together with them and we could just praise him, man. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So listen, when you come in here next Sunday or when we have an altar call, we ought to be jumping and shouting for joy. Amen. This place ought to erupt with praise. Or maybe we just don't recognize our sin. Well, brother, that might be good for you, but I never sinned like you did. Woo! Come on, listen. Somebody might be saying that in their heart right now, and you know what? Your sin is greater because you're judgmental and you're critical. Okay, I'll back. I'll leave that alone. We enter in with thanksgiving and with praise, right? And then there's another element in the tabernacle. I'm going to touch on this. This is, to me, this is, has been the most important one to me personally. There was a place in the tabernacle that was called the brazen laver. And what that was, it looked like a bird bath, guys. And, and it had water in it. And the priest would wash there. He would wash before he would enter into the holy place. He had to be clean. And I believe what would happen is that thing would be right there. And, and this is how God showed this to me back 15, 16 years ago when I really started having an encounter with the Lord. And I started to know what this place was all about. And, and really, to be honest with you, the foundation of my prayer life has been set here. It was like the priest would bend over to wash because he had to be cleansed when he walked into the holy place because the holy place was like a place of intercession, you know, where the priests would go and they would receive the glory of the Lord. You know, and this was the holy place was not even the fullness of the glory. The fullness of the glory was something called the holy of holies where only one high priest could go once a year. Because it was like the divine presence of God. And then you had a veil that veiled you from the holy place even to the holy of holies. There was another veil. So the holy place, several of the priests could go in there and they could receive the glory of God. And they would take that glory out to the people and minister it to the people. So before that priest could get into that holy place, that priest had to be cleansed and washed. There had to be a sacrifice that had to be made, an animal sacrifice. And we know that we're not under that anymore. We're under a, 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 the blood of Jesus, the new covenant, right? But that priest had to be made whole to a certain point where he could stand in the midst of God's glory. 
so that he could absorb that glory and then go out and release that glory to the people. So he would look down upon this brazen lever, this place of washing, this place of cleansing, and I believe what would happen is he would catch a glimpse of himself and he would see himself where he was in the reality of flesh, but also as a New Testament believer, can you envision yourself in the reality of an eternal work of, of Jesus Christ from the cross? Because if you're going to go and you're going to start operating in spiritual authority, first you have to know a spiritual identity. It won't work if you don't. Jesus was in the wilderness and his identity is being tried and tried and tried by Satan. If you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, turn the stones into bread, cast yourself down off the building. And he goes through this process, it says, for 40 days, and, and he's totally weak because he's not eating. And gosh, after two or three days, I'd be ready to cave in, right, and just give in. Okay, yeah, let's, let's make them stones bread. Come on, I'm starving, man, Right? But he goes through this process, and then it says that after he was tried, and his, his, his identity is what is being tried. And it says after that he was tried, he went forth in the power of the Spirit and done many great wonders, signs, and miracles begin to transpire. He couldn't function in a place of spiritual authority until he recognized his identity as the Son. And that's how it is with us. So turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 explains this brazen laver very well. This is David's prayer after his, uh, his little run-in with Bathsheba. Most of us are familiar with that. Nathan, the prophet, comes and points it out to him, and I believe this is his prayer right here. According to this, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercy. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You see, a lot of us walk around with an identity that's marred by sin because we don't understand the power of the blood. We don't understand what that brazen laver is really about. We don't understand the full work of what Christ completed at the cross. So anytime we fall into sin, we allow sin to condemn us and condemn us. And the enemy's voice whispers in our ear saying that you're a failure and you'll never be able to do this Christian thing. And this assignment that you think God has for you, you're crazy. You done lost your mind. You hear all these whispers coming into your subconscious thought realm, right? And it begins to shape your identity and it renders you powerless from spiritual authority, guys. It's happened to me countless times. God told me, God showed me something in a prison cell 17 years ago when I was two weeks clean, guys, two weeks clean, and God shows me that I was going to be a, a pastor and a director of this ministry, this addiction recovery ministry. And I even, you know what I even heard the fathers, I even heard him confirm me and say, this is what he said to me in the dream. He showed me a picture of me doing what I'm doing today. And then in a dream, I heard the father say, I'm proud of you, son, that you're running and functioning in that ministry. That's what he said. He spoke to me 
in my future. He spoke to me in what he seed me become. He didn't speak to me in the place where I was an addict. He didn't speak to me and say, listen, for, for 25 years, son, you have been running around doing what you think you want to do and, and, and doing all kinds of nonsense. And, and you know what? I ought to just condemn you to hell right now. I didn't hear that, guys. I didn't hear that. I heard a loving, heavenly father speak to me according to who he created me to be. And from that encounter, I can draw strength from that. And every day I can move forward. Even when the voice of failure tries to ring inside of my ear and say, you'll never become what he's called you to be. Even when I fall short some days and I just don't feel like I'm getting it and it don't feel like it's moving forward, he still says, I'm proud of you for what I've created you to do. You got to get a picture of this, guys. Listen to me. You got to get this before you can understand spiritual authority, before you can command demons to flee, before you can access heaven into the earth. You've got to get a picture of who you are. You've got to get a picture of his love. So the priest would bend over and then he'd begin to wash and he'd catch a reflection of himself, of who he truly was in the flesh. But according to the New Testament, you see a, a, a greater reality. You see what's called a new identity. Let's read on with David here. Verse 3. This is so important. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before you. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He's Listen, you know how many years I spent Blaming everybody else for my situation. It's the judge's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's the probation officer's fault. It's the prison system's fault. It's God's fault. That's the attitude of our hearts sometimes. Did I ever say that out loud? No, I didn't. But there were subliminal thoughts in my heart that rang, rang out. Those words. And part of what that encounter is about is where you begin to acknowledge your sin before him. But the good news about it is, is you don't stay there condemned. Because when you really get to the point where you, you, you acknowledge these things before him every day, and listen, I, I, I visit this place every day just about probably. I visit this in my prayer time. Father, if I'm doing anything wrong, if I'm off course in any way, God, please show me. I place it under the blood of Jesus Christ right now, Lord. God, I don't want to mislead your people. Please give me your wisdom. Father, I don't know what I'm doing. Please give me insight from the Holy Spirit. Please give me heaven's plans for this day. Please give me heaven's plans for this church, for this ministry. I'm, I'm keeping it real with you guys because I don't have a great formal education. I don't. 
Everything that, that has been done at Life Changers has been birthed out of, the, of what I'm, I'm demonstrating this to you. And, and, and as I go into prayer like this, and, and I spend a lot of time in prayer. It's not boring either. It's not. Sometimes I feel like I'm going through the motions, but I've learned like how to get out of that mindset. But I don't have a formal education. I do got a, I've got a bachelor's in, in uh, business administration from, uh, from Penn State. It's actually State Penn. <laughs> Penn State sounds better so we can switch the words, right? <laughs> they, they did offer college courses there and I capitalized on that, okay? But I don't have like, I, I, I'm probably functioning in something today that, that really I know that I am not worthy of or deserving of. It's only because of his blood. You know, um, Life Changers has grown to 15 facilities across the U.S. and in, you know, three different countries now. Uh, and that's, that's, that's all to him, really. I mean... I've just lifted my hands in surrender and said, you really want me to do this? Are you serious? And he's, I've heard him whisper and say, yes. You want me to travel all over like this and do this? And I hear him say, yes, there is a global ep epidemic, son, and you're a vital part of this. But God, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Come on back over here. What do you see? I see failure. <laughs> I see hurt and pain and brokenness. <laughs> I can't do this. Now look up, son, look up. I see the cross. I see myself in the cross. I see Jesus paying, paying the price. Father, I can do this. Yes, son, you can do this. Yes, son, get up. Come on, get up. Don't look at that no more. I paid for it. I paid for it at Calvary. See, we got to keep catching that revelation over and over and over again because your identity goes very deep. Many of us in here, we've dealt with the, the failure issues and the brokenness and the depression. How do we break depression? The heaviness that comes, you know, upon us every day that, that tries to stop us from just getting out of bed and fulfilling our assignment. This is, this is hard for people in ministry, especially those of us where we can, we can write our own ticket and make our own schedule. And we might not have to be there at 8 o'clock and nobody's going to say anything to us about it. So you know what, man, I'm just tired. I want to stay in bed. I don't want to get up. I don't want to do nothing. How do we break through that? The cross, the cross, the cross. We keep looking at him. He didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to come. He, he didn't have to pay the penalty of the world's sins, but he did it out of love. The motivation behind that whole cross was love. 
I love my people and I can't let them die eternal death. And we get a glimpse of that love. It motivates us out of that place of love to say, you know what? There's, there's people out there that, that may be counting on me. Somebody might need to, to hear my testimony today. Somebody might need my prayer today that's struggling with addiction, that's about ready to take their life. God, please help me to get up. This place, guys, that I'm talking about is so crucial to where God wants to take us in prayer. You've got to understand these elements. You've got to understand these principles. These are basic principles. Because in Hebrews 6, it talks about moving on to perfection. It talks about coming into walking, of the powers, walking in the powers of the world to come. And tasting the power of the Holy Spirit and operating and functioning in this, this type of spiritual authority where you command the atmosphere to shift. As sons and daughters, you have that power, you have that authority to walk into an atmosphere and say, uh, depression is leaving out of this room today. Addiction is no longer going to come into these people's lives today. Because guess what? A son or a daughter of the risen Savior is here on the scene bringing the glory of heaven. And they know their identity. They know that he paid the cost and they walk in him. God, you, listen. A deep understanding of the cross and the blood are so important when we're talking about identity because the enemy is always going to creep into your thoughts and into your heart and try to show you what you're not. And then, like Pastor Tom said, we're going to be comparing ourselves amongst ourselves and then we're going to get all crazy about, oh my gosh, you know, he looks better than I do or he preaches better than I do. Or he knows the word better. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. We all work as one body together corporately. We have an assignment here, guys, to this county. Let's not fail it. And until we can understand our own personal individual lives and our own personal identities, we'll never come corporately to tear down strongholds over this county. We can do this if we do this properly and we do it rightly. We will do this. We will do this. This is a place you've got to visit every day, probably. Every day. I don't say that I have to go there every day anymore, but for the first five years of my prayer life, it was every day. Search my heart. Let me read a little bit further on to this. What's David say here? Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me. But you desired truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear the joy and the gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. This is where the, the, uh, the new identity comes in. This is where the great exchange comes in. Because God can take your heart and cleanse it and purify it with the precious holy blood of Jesus Christ. And you begin to understand who you truly are, who he really is, and how much he loves you. And when you really get a firm grip on that, 
Man, I tell you what, guys, the deeper I go on that, I feel like a superhero. I'm not kidding you. I feel like I can run through a stinking brick wall. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I feel like nothing can stop me because of him, because of that cross. You know what took place there? It said that the, the whole entire earth quaked, that the heavens were rent, that there was darkness that covered the earth. I mean, something cataclysmic was taking place. And it, it just, it totally transformed everything right there in the spirit realm for us. The only thing that we're battling with now is, is just getting it into our heart, man. Just understanding this because we, we live and we function from the reality of, of the earth realm. Go with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Actually, it's, uh, it's Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 and verses 3 through 6. I want to look at those. says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Here's a personal word for many of us in here. There's nothing that you can do to be accepted because he made you accepted by what he did at that cross. So stop looking at, at, at you know, what you can do. Stop trying to perform for God. And just worship him. Worship him out of a pure and grateful heart. There's a performance mentality uh, upon us, man, that the enemy just tries to hit us with this and hit us with this and hit us with this. And we come in here, we, we want to we perform for everybody. I'm not just talking about on the stage. I'm talking about just all of us. You know, we, we, we want to put on our happy Sunday church face and Act like everything's good, right? But the truth of the matter is I'm full of fear. And that fear needs to go. And that fear can only go when I, when I confess that fear to him. I get back to this place and I'm looking and I'm seeing that truthfully, Father God, I am, I am stinking afraid to get up on that stage. I don't know what people are going to think about me. I don't know what they're going to say. Pastor Tom and Pastor Matt are going to tear my theology up. My gosh, these guys are scholars, man, and I'm not even educated in the Word. How am I going to get up there and preach? Now I'm sharing some of my personal heart. They're going to eat me alive. When I get done, 
They're probably going to tell me, man, you are so, so theological. Don't ever come back here. You are so theologically incorrect. Where, where did you come off with that at? These are some of the things that the enemy can put in your mind. Right? So I got to get back here. Father God, cleanse me of this fear, Lord God. I'm not trying to impress people. I'm not trying to perform, Lord. I just want to impart something into your people, Father. Please take this fear. Remove this fear from my heart, Jesus. And as there's a purging and a cleansing that takes place, there's a greater identity that's realized. And then I stand up here with authority. And then I know that I have my Father's heart. Amen. Amen. So, these are, there's a lot to this that I don't have time to get into, and I, I believe that they'll break it down for you as we go into the prayer meetings and, uh, you know, they continue to teach on it here. Uh, when we go into warfare praying, guys, and taking the county and the assignment for the church, I, I, I feel like I got a couple of, uh, of specific strategies for, for New Hope that I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me just the other day. Well, am I correct to say that before this was a church, was, was this a theater? Yeah. It was a theater. So they did shows and things like that? Okay. So I really believe this with all my heart, that part of the assignment for, for New Hope Church is to take over the realm of arts and entertainment for the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 17, it talks about seven mountains. Seven mountains on which the beast sits. Or, or, or it's, uh, better go there real quick so I don't misquote this. Go to Revelation 17. And verses 7 through 9. He's talking about here, John is, is talking about the fall of a Babylonian system, the fall of the systems of the world, the fall of, of religious structures that, are, uh, that have basically done, done nothing for the kingdom. And in verse 7, he says this, he says, The angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is and yet is, is not and yet is. Here is the mind which which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. The seven mountains on which the woman sits are what, what I believe prophetically we look at as seven different systems of, that, that, that affect society today, that affect culture today. Business, arts and entertainment, government, the education system, family, all these are different strongholds or mountains that Satan has built up with his systems. 
And remember, Jesus said, if you speak to that mountain and believe it in your heart, it has to obey you. You can remove it and cast it into the sea. So when we're talking about warfare praying, when we're talking about coming together for corporate prayer, we've got to understand what mountain are we assigned to? Because we do have authority, guys, but we've got to come strategically with this. And I believe this with all my heart that that one of the uh, mountains that New Hope is assigned to is to take this arts and entertainment in Sevier County and make it look like the kingdom of heaven. So therefore, your worship is going to be heavenly. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to erupt with, with just the atmosphere of, of heaven. I can even see paintings and pictures and dramas and skits, you know, that are being done, but they're not being done from a place of performance. They're being done from a place of capturing the Father's heart, tapping into how heaven functions, and bringing it here into this county. So that way when people are coming in, they're like, they're drawn into this place. They're like, wow, I want to go see this. Another one that I feel for New Hope is, is the business realm. The business realm. And the enemy might be fighting some of you right now on business deals. But guess what? You know why? I heard God tell me this. He said, it's not just for you personally. This is going to change the culture of this, of this area to where generations of people are going to feel the effects of what you stood for and what you contended for in the business arena. So sometimes we think the battle is just, uh, uh, you know, oh, I'm in this great battle, and, and it's severe, and, and it's lasting so long, man. Sometimes some of the things that I contend for, I'm like, my goodness, am I ever going to get out of this fire? And God reminds me, he said, this is bigger than you. This is for many people. This is for thousands of people or even millions of people. This is for generations that are coming after you, that you are standing and you are contending and you are saying that the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to do it the kingdom of heaven's way. One of, the, one of the, the areas, the mountain that God's given me authority over is the mountain of like medicine and science, pharmaceuticals. You know, I have to stand and I, guys, I don't even take an aspirin. I don't like to take anything. I, I just, I don't believe in that stuff. And I believe that, that I can get into a place with God where I can get everything that I need, freedom, Deliverance, healing, everything. Now, I've gone to the doctor at different times for things that just torment me like crazy, but I'm not one to just run to the doctor. It's going to have to be pretty bad for me to go because I believe I'm contending for this mountain to be leveled and, and, and that the spirit of pharmaceuticals breaks off of the people. Aren't you tired of it? So as we go into, into the prayer sessions on the Monday nights, and as Pastor Tom, Pastor Matt continues to teach on these things, these are just some of the ideas, and, and I'm sure that they're, they're broader than this and there are more than this, but these are some of the things, guys, that I feel like we need to start targeting and praying for and saying this mountain's going to be removed and New Hope Church is coming together collectively as a body and we're taking authority in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, Pastor, we're good. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.